0: All right. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm Joel Gershman, and I am honoured and humbled to be speaking on this auspicious day, where we recommit, in a sense, to the Rebbe's call to initiate the, the the new world order that we call Mashiach. I don't know that I'm necessarily the most qualified person to be speaking about the Rebbe and his worldview. I never met him, for one, and and though I try to study his works, I'm, I'm far from an expert. But when I was asked to give this talk, I thought, perhaps I can give you a glimpse into the Rebbe's call to action from a perspective that I do know a little bit about. You see, I'm a business coach, and I help entrepreneurs lead and manage their businesses. Now, what exactly do entrepreneurship and bring Mashiach have in common? Well, surprisingly, more than you might think. In fact, I'm not sure if this is controversial for me to say, but harnessing these principles in our own lives might be key to completing the task the Rebbe set for us. Much has been said about how the Rebbe created, you know, leaders, not followers. Well, I'm going to humbly suggest that the secret to being a great leader, someone who truly influences the world, may lie in being a great entrepreneur. Let's explore what that means together. So a surprising experience Uh, first made me view the Rebbe and his call to action through an entrepreneurial lens. So early on in my career as a business coach, I decided that I needed to learn from the best business mind in the world. Now, the number one best-selling business book of all time is a book called The E-Myth Revisited, written by someone called Michael Gerber. Some of you may know him. Um, He's widely regarded as one of, if not the world's leading business gurus. And so I flew to Carlsbad, California from Melbourne, Australia to spend time learning learning from him. And while I was there, I attended a seminar that he gave to approximately 500 other people, mostly non-Jewish. Not long after he introduced the seminar, he turns to the crowd and asks, who do you think is the greatest entrepreneur of the last 100 years? And I'm thinking to myself... Uh, maybe Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, not sure. What he said next floored me. He said, in his view, it's the Lubavitcher Rebbe. Now, you have to understand the context here, right? He was not talking to a group of Lubavitchers. Most of the audience had probably never heard of the Rebbe, let alone considered him one of the greatest entrepreneurs in history. Even I'm thinking to myself, seriously, the Rebbe, an entrepreneur? okay, a sage, a tzaddik, a leader, a gun, and many other appellations, but an entrepreneur, he explained, it's well known that most businesses fail, right? The vast majority simply don't last. And that's because most people who start businesses don't know how to run or grow a business. They haven't learned that skill. Now they may have certain technical skills in their chosen field, but they often don't have the entrepreneurial skills necessary to build a successful business. And so what happens is many of them fumble from one day to the next, hoping that the next day will be a little better than the previous one. You know, they just launch in and hope through trial and error, they'll hit on a winning formula. Of course, the reality is that that rarely happens and they end up struggling. He said, you know what truly great entrepreneurs do? He says they start with a big picture vision. They articulate what they want the future to look like, and then they plan systematically for how to get there. And that, that's precisely, he said, what the Rebbe did. And then he alluded to a particular story that powerfully illustrates this. You may have heard this before. After the book Towards Meaningful Life was published, the author, Rabbi Simon Jacobson, received a letter from a woman named Nakama Cohen. She described how when she was young, back in the late 40s, She met the Rebbe on a number of occasions, and as you may know, at that time, he was not the Rebbe yet, and and he walked freely around the neighborhood of Crown Heights. Now, she didn't really know who he was, and in fact, she called him Mr. Menachem. The the Rebbe would often ask her what books she was reading, and she was from a, a traditional but not necessarily religious household, and she was into science fiction and she gave the Rebbe rave reviews of two science fiction authors, Robert Heinlein and Isaac Asimov. The Rebbe said to her in one of their encounters, concentrate on Asimov, not Heinlein. She said, you know Asimov? He said, yes, we've had correspondence, which she thought was incredible, but he went further. He said, I want to do what Asimov talks about in his Foundation series. Now, by way of background, his foundation series is a set of books that describes a secret alien foundation that wants to perfect the universe by introducing people to a new way of thinking. And what they do is they set themselves up in different communities around the universe, slowly inculcating their values in each community until eventually everyone is thinking that way and the universe is perfected. And he says to her, I'm going to set up a foundation like that impressed, she asked if she could join, and he said, of course. And that was the end of their encounter. Many years later, in, I believe, 1996, she read the book Towards a Meaningful Life, and she saw the picture on the back and recognized that the Rebbe was the Mr. Menachem that she'd met all those years ago. And when she read the description saying on the back saying that the Rebbe had set up over 4,000 Chabad houses across the globe and could completely transformed the face of the Jewish world, She said, oh, my goodness, he did it. He said he would do it, and he actually did it. Now, that's called having a vision, said Michael Gerber in front of that crowd. And indeed, I think we can all agree that the Rebbe expressed the Jewish vision for Mashiach more powerfully and clearly than any other modern Jewish leader. Now, of course, we all know that this utopian idea was always a central Jewish precept but the vision perhaps wasn't ever put front and center in the way the Rebbe did. Uh, You know, I'm I'm sure you're familiar with the, um, the, the, the words in his famous letter, where he says, from the day I went to school and even prior to that, the vision of the future redemption began to take form in my imagination, a redemption of great magnitude and grandeur through which the purpose of suffering, the harsh decrees and annihilations of exile will be understood. And so the Rebbe clearly had this distinct vision in his mind. But the question is, why is a vision so critical for entrepreneurs or for anyone trying to achieve anything great for that matter? Well, at a simple level, when people have a tangible target to aim for, it it often draws out their motivation and commitment to an even greater degree. And and for anyone who's embarked on the entrepreneurial journey, they'll know that it's hard, it's unpredictable, and it's volatile. And if you don't have a sense of where you're heading, it's hard to stay focused and motivated. But at a deeper level, something really powerful happens when you have a vision in your mind's eye. It it can actually drive you and move you at a, at a deep psychological level. I want to give you a, a really personal example for my own life. A few years ago now, my wife was involved in a catastrophic accident. Um, our fireplace in our house exploded and a giant fireball engulfed her. Um, She sustained uh, third degree burns to almost a quarter of her body, had multiple skin grafts and was incapacitated for many months. Thank God, besides severe scarring, she has recovered. But for almost a year afterwards, I, who was, was sitting next to her at the time, had intense flashbacks. And it was a bizarre experience because, suddenly in my mind's eye, I could picture the fireball emerging from the fireplace. I could feel the heat on my skin. I could hear the voom as it passed by, it passed by me. And, and when that happened, I would literally step back as if it had just happened. Uh, how, I don't, how is that possible? If you think about it, it's just a vision in my mind's eye. It's not real. And yet that experience taught me a powerful vision is real. It can literally move you, even physically. And that's why entrepreneurs use it as a catalyst for their often difficult journey. And perhaps that's why the Rebbe put so much emphasis on the vision, because if you connect with it, it drives you. And perhaps that's also why the Rebbe's very first instruction after saying, I'm handing it over to you, was to actually learn about, in, in Yane Gula Mashiach, to learn about Mashiach because it, you can't feel committed to and inspired by a vision that you don't understand. Now, I'm going to make the bold suggestion that not only was the Rebbe a great entrepreneur, but maybe he is calling on us to be great entrepreneurs too. And, and while crystallizing the vision in our minds is the first crucial step an entrepreneur might, must take, I'm also going to suggest that it's not enough on its own. Great entrepreneurs know that there are a number of other elements to a successful venture. And it's incredible just how closely the Rebber's approach aligns with these entrepreneurial principles. Now, we don't have time, you know, to go through all of them in depth right now. But let's just touch on a few of them. Strategic planning, delegation and dealing with failure. Let's let's start with strategic planning. While Getting your vision clear is step one. The best entrepreneurs know that you actually need a systematic, a strategic plan to bring the vision to life. Some people think that if I just try hard and remain true to my principles, it'll all work out. But entrepreneurs don't rely on miracles. They formulate practical strategies to give effect to the vision. With detailed action plans for each strategy, including who's going to do what and by when, they don't Leave the you know achieving the vision up to chance or to ad hoc action. They planned for it. The Rebbe understood this well. He didn't just teach concepts. He instituted numerous practical strategies, from mitzvah campaigns to public rallies to new chabad houses across the globe and and many more. And after he gave that that talk, where he hand where he gave over the task of bringing Mashiach to us, he also laid out some broad strategies, like increasing acts of goodness and kindness and living with Mashiach in our daily lives. But those are broad strategy headings, categories, if you like. Our task now, if I'm allowed to say this, um, if, if we're to follow the Rebbe's entrepreneurial lead is to come up with specific strategies, with specific action plans for how we'll implement each strategy. And the options, for what we can do are are endless. A group of Shluchim from Australia met exactly one year ago. And in a single evening, we came up with over a hundred different strategies. And if if anyone wants the list, let me know, I'm happy to share it. But I can guarantee you, if you just sit down for 10 minutes and think about what can be done, you'll come up with a range of practical initiatives. Now, you might be wondering, why do we have to come up with the specific strategies? Right. Surely the rep could have laid out detailed action plans to follow. Right? It seems that he left it up to us. Why? Well, I believe that it's because he was implementing the next key entrepreneurial principle, delegation. Think about it. How is it possible to orchestrate and execute such large-scale campaigns right across the globe, from Australia to India to Russia? Right, One person can't do it all. In business terms, we call this delegation, and it's it's essential to business growth. But delegation doesn't just mean asking people to blindly follow, follow orders, right? The best entrepreneurs empower others to become part of the strategy creation process. Because when people feel empowered to further the vision by localizing and, and customizing that strategic plan to their own corner of the world, it builds a new level of motivation and commitment. And I believe that's why the Rebbe didn't dictate the details of the strategy. He wants us to come up with it for ourselves. And of course, let's not ignore this. If we truly take this principle of delegation to heart, we should also be applying it as we implement the strategies. In other words, not only should we come up with and implement strategies ourselves, but we should delegate to and empower others to help us reach even more people. Right? I'm sure you've heard the story of the rabbi of a university campus um, who, feeling overwhelmed by the enormity of the task, once asked the rabbi, how can I possibly hope to reach the many hundreds of students on campus? It's impossible. To which the rabbi replied, you don't need to. You affect seven. Those seven will affect another seven. And, and those another seven. And before you know it, you've reached them all. And so I think the Rebbe's act of handing it over to us was a stroke of entrepreneurial brilliance. He's asking us to become entrepreneurs now and to empower others to become entrepreneurs too. There's one last, so that's delegation. We've talked about vision. We've talked about strategic planning. We've talked about delegation. I want to talk about one last concept. In the the entrepreneurial startup world, failure is considered hip. Now that sounds strange, right? Entrepreneurs routinely blog about their failed ventures and the growth that resulted from them. There's even a new term for the success that often follows failure. They call it failing upwards. My own view is that if you can't reframe failures in business in a way that drives you forward, it's almost impossible to succeed, right? Because setbacks are virtually inevitable. Indeed, the the Rebbe not only acknowledges this, but he goes a step further. He employs the concept of of yurida tserechalaya, suggesting that one must ascend. That to to ascend, one must first descend. The yurida or descent, in in his formulation, is an absolute requirement to be able to progress. And without it, the growth is actually not possible. Now, why is this so? Well, I think it's helpful to think about two types of progress. There's what you might call gradual progress and there's what you might call exponential progress. Gradual progress is the steady, predictable growth that happens by taking you know, one step at a time. Exponential progress, on the other hand, is the unpredictable leap that happens when we jump into completely new and unfamiliar territory. Now, listen closely. A descent isn't necessary for making gradual progress you can easily take a step forward without having to to take a step back first. But for exponential progress, a urrita is actually necessary. Because since the destination is nothing like the previous state, the previous state that you're in actually prevents us from achieving the new goal. If we cling to our old state, we'll be infinitely far from the new place we're trying to jump to. So we must first fall, so to speak, from our previous state. And only then can we leap to an entirely new plane. And so the Rebbe is actually saying something revolutionary here. He's building on that that entrepreneurial concept of failing upwards. He's saying that from Hashem's perspective, there's no such thing as a Yerida or setback. The world in general and every person only moves forward. When entrepreneurs have this mindset, they become unstoppable. And if we can adopt that mindset as we try to create a dwelling place for Hashem on earth, That then despite our setbacks, and in fact, because of them, we'll achieve the vision. I'd like to end by sharing a setback and suggesting some actions for myself and for all of us to take. I mentioned that one year ago, to this day, a group of shluchim in Melbourne met to devise a strategic plan to fulfil the Rebbe's vision. We came up with 100 ideas, we distilled them down to a small number, and we began the process of implementing it but it's now been one year. And in my view, we haven't yet achieved what we set out to achieve. Now that's not intended to blame anyone. On the contrary, it's acknowledging that whatever happened or didn't happen was actually essential to our success, right? We're failing upwards. So rather than being demoralized, I'm committing to help revise the strategy and push it forward. I've created a page at mitzvah.org for this, and I invite you to do likewise and critically, to implement these entrepreneurial principles as you attempt to fulfill the Rebbe's call to action. In summary, here's what that means. Number one, connect to the vision, right? You do that by learning about Inyonei Mashiach. You need to learn about Mashiach to understand the vision and, and connect to it. Two, create your strategic plan. What specific strategies will you implement this year? Three, delegate. Recognize that not only has the Rebbe delegated the task to us, but we need to empower others to join us. If each of us chose even 10 Jews to empower, I'm certain it would have an extraordinary impact. And four, recognize that setbacks are both inevitable and essential to achieving the vision. I wish you um, and myself, everyone, all the best in implementing these strategies. And um, thank you very much for having me talk.